Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast, the Florida State Duke post-game show. Florida State wins 38-20 to in the ranked showdown. That uh, It started with questions about Riley Leonard. It ends with questions about Riley Leonard. And everything in between kind of felt scary and terrifying at all times. But in the end, it is Florida State with the win. Brian Pellerin, Ben Meyerson, John Marchant, all here um after thank you guys by the way for covering last week for me while i was out drinking my happy ass off last saturday and then all weekend long um ben i know you're probably chomping at the bit here because you 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 sent the warning signals in the sky i believe like in july about duke um so i'm gonna make you continue to wait i'll go to john first john florida state trails early trails often doesn't take a lead until the fourth, uh, but then you look up at the final score and it looks like a blowout. Um, obviously, a lot of that comes post Riley Leonard exiting the game. So uh, I know the fan. I was running Twitter last night. The fans in our mentions were both pissed for uh, forty-five minutes of the game to be to be kind, uh, and then apologizing post game. Where do you fall? Good, bad? We'll, we'll take it and move on. I will obviously you take it and move on. You're seven and zero, right? Uh, first time since what 2014, I think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot I think to di- dissect and talk about this game because it was really, really interesting from a bunch of different uh, points of view. And I, I know Florida State 18 point win, right? It's almost three touchdown win. And didn't emotionally feel like a three touchdown win. I don't think I stopped breathing or started breathing. I think until FSU won up uh, by the 18th point. So. Um, but you know, I don't even know where to begin, right? Travis had had his struggles, right? But then he starts running in the second half, and all of a sudden the offense just like kind of you know blooms, right? And they kind of get whatever they want. Um, you know, early on the tight ends in the middle of the field were just just eating, like play after play after play. A lot of good stuff there. Um, you know, that one throw to Keon Coleman, right, where they had him bracketed uh underneath and over the top coverage, and yet somehow. You know, Travis gets it in and Keon catches it between his knees. I like this. <laughs> the whole thing was crazy, right? And then you get into the defense, which you know, I've been kind of critical of, of how they've done a lot this year. Um, you know, I thought they could have blitzed Riley Leonard Moore, who was obviously not healthy uh, in this game, but they did a good job. And 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 I think they get, like they've done multiple times this season, asserted themselves in the second half. And it's just crazy. It is crazy to see. I know, I know Leonard went out. A lot of people say, oh, you know, uh, you know, people on Twitter were trying to kind of dog Florida State for this, saying, "Oh, well, Leonard went out, so that wouldn't happen if he hadn't, you know, if he hadn't gotten hurt again." Like he wasn't doing anything in the game, right? And I think Florida State did a really good job preparing for both quarterbacks, both him and and Henry Beelin, his backup, who I think was one for seven. So you know, Florida State really dominated. They pulled away. It's the same thing they did against LSU, right? Same thing they kind of did against. I mean, Clemson was a little bit closer. But, but uh, you know, they're clearly a second-half team this year, and there's maybe a lot of reasons we could talk about why. But overall, very, very fun, great, uh, good guys won. That's what you want. <laughs> the good guys win. Yeah, I, I would say Riley Leonard didn't do much. I mean, 7 of 16, 69 yards and a pick. I mean, nothing was wow. He had the one 13-yard carry that I thought was kind of what I when I went, okay, so that's that's really what they need him for. Um, and it felt like once once he was gone, I, I, it was like, okay, well, the cover's now back on the table and and everything is back because this was like, well, are they going to win? Uh, and then in that moment, it was it felt kind of over. To your point, though, the defense, a shutout in the second half. Uh, ben, I have to guess, 
well, I don't have to guess. You told us, but uh, I feel like the place you probably felt the most confident in this one being a scary game was the way Duke competed in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Duke beat FSU's offensive line up. I mean, I think there's just no getting around that. Until Jordan Travis started running the ball and Mike Norvell started making adjustments, FSU's designed run game with their running backs just was not working. It's the worst they've looked all season. And, you know, to, to John's point earlier, they, they were really effective attacking the middle of the field early on, mixing in tight ends. You saw Johnny Wilson have a big game and up until he got hurt and left. Um, I, I think there was a lot of encouraging things from this Florida State offense that you walk away thinking, you know, that they've hopefully kind of turned a corner here. Um, but at the same time, I, I can definitely understand where some of those upset fans are coming from with the Riley Leonard aspect of this. I mean, John and I talked about it last week that, you know, if Duke was really going to challenge FSU, Riley Leonard had to be about 80% or better, um, you know, and in this game, I don't even think he was that when he was playing and he still challenged FSU. Now his, his numbers didn't look good. Um, and, you know, when you look at the box score, it doesn't really tell the whole story, but he was really crucial for Duke in extending those drives, making those plays on third down and playing good situational football. And I think if you look at what happened in the first half for FSU, they were terrible situationally. They did not convert on their opportunities. Um, and, you know, they only scored, I think, one offensive touchdown in that first half because um, they they had the return touchdown from Deuce Span, um, And then they drove the length of the field. And I, I don't know if that was a Keziah Holmes touchdown. Um, I forget which one that was. But um, I think overall, I walked away thinking, you know, in terms of the FSU defense, we know who they are, right? I, I, I think... They're not going to surprise us this season. We know what they're good at. We know what their weaknesses are. We know they're a second half team in terms of that side of the ball. But on offense, you know, I think they have a lot figured out now that, you know, we've been asking them to figure out. They're finally getting Jordan involved in the running game in a way that they haven't since last season. Uh, this is Jordan's highest graded game per PFF. And I thought this was his best game all season by a long shot. He looked more comfortable in that second half. The offense got moving in a way, you know, that it just hasn't this year uh, in terms of their down-to-down consistency. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good things to take away from this game, but I also walk away thinking, you know, if, if, if FSU plays Duke in the ACC championship, which is realistic, you know, given how the schedule is going to play out, um, that's still a really frisky game if Riley Leonard's playing. I, I think FSU will win. And, and, and to be honest, I do think if Riley Leonard had played the rest of that game, I still think FSU wins. But, you know, FSU certainly took advantage of him exiting that game, and they they grabbed the momentum and ran with it. I, I do think this game kind of works itself out in in segments, right? The, the, this was a Duke-controlled kind of back and forth Florida state controlled type game. And I, and I want to kind of take it in that way. The first series, first two series for Florida state, both end in turnovers on downs. Um, the Duke 42 yard, I think rushing touchdown where they got the edge, thanks to a fairly obvious holding that goes uncalled there. Um, at the same time, you maybe, 42 yards. It's, it's a long way to go from the line of scrimmage to the end zone where you maybe hope the pursuit is better. Um, I guess first question, and Ben, I'll come right back to you since I went to John first. Last time, 
what did you make of the fourth down going for? Are you a fan of the aggression on maybe the first, first and second? I guess, how do you fall there? Yeah, I mean, in terms of if we're just looking at it from a general decision-making process, um, I, I like going for it on fourth and one. Um, and that's just, that's not just an analytics thing. I think, you know, and I, I kind of spoke to this, I don't know if it was on the podcast or in my article that I write about the offense, but, you know, I, I think, whereas some people think you should be more conservative in these big close games, I, I kind of disagree. I think you should be even more aggressive in these close games, take full advantage of the opportunities you get. Um, and and I, I do think the, the, the second, fourth and one where Norvell went for it in their own territory, I didn't agree with that one. Um, but I, the big issue I have walking away from from those fourth down situational decisions is not that they went for it, but rather the play calling. Um, you, you saw how it, it went for FSU on both of those downs. They handed off to Trey Benson. It was either in shotgun or, or pistol. Um, John, you can I, I don't know if you remember that one, the, the Trey Benson one yard run. But um, and then they also tried to sneak it with Jordan Travis um, and they kind of just looked out of sorts. I, I, I think. You know, they if, if you look at all their fourth down situations this year, I don't think you look at the situations and say, oh, they shouldn't have gone for it. You know, I think there's a few where you maybe want to have back. But the issue with the fourth downs that I have is more so the play calling on fourth down. And I think if Mike Norvell is going to continue to call these types of plays that he has been on fourth down. I don't think FSU should continue to go for it. And I'm very, very pro going for it, you know, in general. So I, I, I just think FSU hasn't proven that they're um, that they're that they can really sustain those fourth down situations. So I think that's kind of the biggest question I have about the fourth downs um, in the first half, you know, but then there's just some some weird stuff that happened. You mentioned, you know, the hole that that didn't get called and, you know, it, you know, that felt really, really bad in the moment, but then it also balanced out where I think at the beginning of the second half, Duke had, um, and they wanted to snap the ball and the refs were allowing FSU to substitute players when Duke hadn't substituted any. So, you know, in the end, the referees kind of just wash out. I, I don't ever want to blame them, but yeah, I, I, I don't know the, the fourth down situations I'm, I'm okay with going for it, but I think Norvell's play calling on fourth downs over the last year and a half just hasn't been good enough. And if it's going to continue to be that way, they should not go for those situations. Trying to find the play uh, now, John, I'll let you go first as I try to pull it up. Yeah. I, I don't agree with his decision to go for a fourth down on your own 36. Yeah. Uh, because you know, one underrated thing we haven't talked about a lot is Master Mono, right? He's been a very solid, maybe the best punter, and you know, the punt coverage team together, special teams unit, has been the best in the ACC this year. And he really does like flip the field for you, kind of, you know, and, and again, we haven't talked about it, but the hidden yardage, you know, of those kinds of field position games and things like that, it's really gone to Florida State's favor this year. And it did not in the Duke game for the majority of the game. It's like FSU was, you know, really backed up. And a big part of that was, I mean, if you, you know, if you got a punt on your own 36, you have a chance to flip the field position because of Mastromano. I don't necessarily disagree with, you know, being aggressive and going forward on fourth and short and things like that. My issue though, is going forward on your own 36. Uh, and I, I would have to agree with Ben about some of the play calling. I don't think Florida state, because there's a couple of issues, right? I have, Jordan Travis's QB sneak, you run behind your worst offensive lineman, right? I don't understand why you would do that. And then on the fourth down call on your own 36-yard line, you just try to run straight ahead and mash what is, you know, 
to what we've talked about, right? Is Duke's very good, experienced defensive line. And I just don't think that that's the right play call to go. And, and predictably, you know, you're arguably second uh, worst offensive lineman gets whipped and you, you get tackled for a loss. So I, I don't think you can just straight go, you know, oh, we're just going to mash you right up front because that's not Florida State's game. You don't have the personnel. And again, I'd like to see them, like we talked about last week, maybe shuffle around the offensive lineman a little bit, maybe bring some younger players in and see if, you know, they can give you a little bit more than than a couple of the spots that you're getting. But so I have a couple of issues and there's other parts in, later in the game where Norvell got a little cute and things like that. I, I'm all for him putting in wrinkles and things like that, but it doesn't work when they're slower developing plays. I think that was uh, one of the issues I had with some of that. I And it kind of feeds into the overall thing of how that game started. It was about the worst imaginable start for Florida state. And a lot of them were all self-inflicted mistakes and, and mental errors and, and things like that. And again, there was a lot of issues I had with some of the refereeing uh, when Duke had the ball, especially on a lot of their big runs, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's, you're just not going to get those calls. I get it. But um, you know, I thought the defense played fine overall. I thought Florida State, I think I even tweeted this in the middle of the game or somewhere in the second quarter. I thought Florida State was going to be fine. It, to me, they felt like they were the better team. But it's just one mistake after mistake after mistake in the beginning of the game. And when they finally settled down, we saw a different team. Yeah. I'm, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Duke only had 270 yards, and that run was out of the shotgun on that fourth and one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, and I did want to just note real quick, too, as, as John was mentioning earlier, Mastromano has been a special teams weapon. They they punted once in this game. And I think if if they punt more than one time, um, FSU puts this game away a lot earlier, a lot easier. Right, well, because going forward on fourth and one in your own 36, and you don't get it, you gave up a minimum three free points to Duke. Yeah, that one was a, the, what turned around and became a field goal. And and that's that's where Duke obviously had issues driving the field against you. And, and you you gave them the shorter fields to help them. Right. Uh, they they weren't, I mean, you know, 197 rushing yards, but one came on the 42-yard run. You know, outside of that, they they were fine. There wasn't anything wrong in their run game. It was it was solid, but there weren't they weren't picking them up in chunks and they weren't really handling you. It was it was more a methodical um pick up a few yards where you can and then boom touchdown and then it wasn't anything amazing i mean the two touchdowns you give up were the 142 yard run and then the pick six before we get to that i, I do want to the the drive coming back florida state answers after that fourth down uh jordan i think was like seven of eight on that drive missed the one throw but i felt like that was the drive you needed and that's why it, uh, one of the drives where i think like jordan doesn't have the stupid good he could win heisman numbers um, but I feel like he just keeps stacking performances like that. And you're doing it, uh, you know, on the ABC Herb Street Fowler game. Um, that's a big drive that you need if you're going to be a champion type team, you know, it, to just pick up a lot of third down to the one bad throw. But um, it was like it was that was the drive from Jordan you're happy with. Um, then you get the ball back and from standing in his own end zone on third and long, he takes the shot. Um, you are not happy with that. That, that was in a pretty blanketed coverage pops in the air and it's a pick six. Um, so you kind of got a little bit of both from Jordan there. The comments were very displeased with his aggression. I was like, guys, last draft, they can't pay attention. Um, but you kind of got both sides of the coin there from him. And I get trying to make a play, but um, maybe that's a situation where not used to losing and trying to do too much. 
It absolutely was because he, I mean, rewatching it on that replay right after it happened, he clearly forced the ball, right? He drops back. The the, the pass protection's fine, but fine. nobody's open, right? Nobody gets open. No one has separation. Uh, maybe sometimes you could argue, maybe you ask for your receivers a little bit more to help you out, your quarterback, but really no one's open. He's got to make a decision, right? Because if he gets sacked, it's a safety, right? And then you're putting it away again. Um, what he should have done maybe is climb the pocket a little bit and either run or just pass, like just throw it out of bounds. It's just what he should have done. Uh, but he tried to force it, it, you know, and when he gets popped up in the air like that, it's always, you know, good luck, bad luck. And he's been a little unlucky. Um, so, yeah, it was a pick. He just It's a mistake you can't have. Uh, again, there's nothing wrong with scrambling for three yards, sliding, and then punting, right? So you, you can't do that. You just can't. Um, and, and there's mistakes on both sides of the ball from Florida State of that kind, right? Things you just, you just can't do. So I thought he forced one. It's not the worst thing. Um, it's weird though that every kind of quote unquote Heisman contender we've seen so far has had like a really big game that they struggled with, right? Like Caleb Williams, obviously USC had they struggled again. USC has yeah. two losses. Drake Mays looked human. Michael Penix struggled a lot la- uh, last night for uh, against yep. Arizona State for Washington. So it, I don't think it necessarily makes Travis any. I know he's on the lower end of that group is where he's kind of ranked right now. I don't think it makes him you know a whole tier below any of those guys. They've all looked human in certain spots. So I don't fault Travis too much for something like that, right? He's barely turned the ball over at all this year. And it's just one of those, he's just trying to make a play and he shouldn't have done it. But, it, you know, I've seen a lot worse mistakes. Yeah, he, he's had a lot worse mistakes. And he was also just trying to force the ball to Keon too, who you yeah. know, really struggled to get involved early. I mean, I, I think if you look at what Duke did in terms of their game plan, they said to Jordan Travis, hey, we know you love Keon Coleman and we know your run game really, really struggles against good teams. So guess what? We're going to play out to to defend Keon and really try and take him away. And then, you know what? Try and run the ball on us with your design runs. And they just couldn't early. Um, and then, you know, eventually Norvell adjusted and it worked well. And, you know, they got Jordan um, running and that really opened up the rest of the offense. But I, I think, you know, that struggle in the first half, is more so about Duke having the right game plan against FSU and having the right defensive line to, to kind of beat them up and muddy up that pocket. Um, and, you know, FSU responded in a really good way. Yeah, and I think it just, John, to go back to your point on the Heisman numbers, I don't know if you know how much overlap we've got between our Sharp and the Point podcast, available most every other Friday or every Friday, <laughs> available occasionally on Thursday, pending probably Thursday this week. Um, but we talked about the the window into Heisman betting that was available this week because Penix was like minus one sixty and everyone else was plus one thousand. Um, Jordan Travis I think was like plus sixteen hundred. Uh, he's down to plus eight hundred and he's fourth now behind JJ McCarthy who's the new favorite. Michael Penix now second. Jaden Daniels from LSU third whose numbers are stupid. Uh, and then Travis at, at plus eight hundred. So it's it's really McCarthy Penix. Daniels together in like a trio and then Travis leading the next group behind him. And really it's just him and Dylan Gabriel underneath plus 1000. Everyone else is over 2000. So um, he's right there for it. And his numbers aren't that amazing. They're good. It's just great performances on a team that keeps winning. And it feels like by the end of the year, he'll probably get there. And, and I mean, the ball did get to Keon. I, I didn't like the throw, but it, it did get to him. I don't blame Keon for not catching it, but uh, it did get there. Uh, it, it, obviously, the pick six is a gut punch, and probably the moment you probably felt most terrified uh, at the game, down seventeen seven, um, and having just looked dominated up front and had one drive where you really had to fight for the points. 
Um, that's where you mentioned the Deuce Man return needed it, um, and really just felt like the moment where I was like, okay, Florida State's going to win. I, I I I felt like at that point I felt pretty confident. Did you guys feel anything nervous still in that point? I mean, it was still in jeopardy, but I felt like I had a lot more confidence in Florida State's ability to come back down three without their offense having to burn one of their touchdowns there, I guess, you know, to steal a touchdown because Duke just took one from you. Well, yeah, because again, you have one of the worst starts you could imagine against a top 20 team. And at halftime, you're down 17, 14, right? Is what it was. And, and again, three of them are the points that you spotted because you, again, I, a fourth down call. I disagree with, um, I mean, that was the difference right there. So I thought that Florida State was fine. It was weird. Again, if they stopped making self-inflicted mistakes, I thought they were going to be fine. That's exactly what we saw in the second half. Um, again, I, I still think Fuller could have blitzed Leonard more. He clearly was not healthy. If you blitz him, right, he either has to scramble, which that one, you know, 13-yard scramble that Brian mentioned earlier, Leonard gets up and he, it's just the look on his face like he's in pain, right? He's playing through a ton of pain. He cannot do that, at least consistently. And it really just, again, I thought if we sent guys after him consistently, I, you know, and he, to Leonard's credit, I think he's a good player. I think he's a smart, a smart quarterback. He did recognize a couple of blitzes FSU was going to send against him. And then we, you know, we kind of switched out of it. Um, but I, I think they could have blitzed more, but you know, in the end it didn't, it didn't matter. Again, there's a couple of players who I want to, I want to point out too. Shaheen Brown played extremely well, yeah, right? He had that one interception. Well. Yeah. Um, and Fisk again, Braden Fisk has to be the MVP of this defense. He has been absurdly, ridiculously good, and unblockable, especially as a transfer out of Western Michigan. That kid is ridiculous. Yeah, you're maybe two best defensive linemen coming from Western Michigan and Albany, but you found, I mean, good, good on the staff for going and finding those guys. Uh, on Fisk, he did have what I believe to be the biggest play of the game. Um, the the face mask of Riley Leonard that that then led to him being out for the game. We had one guy in our mentions um, who was tweeting to everyone that the Florida state player needs to be suspended for that, a hit on Riley Leonard, where he was clearly trying to hurt him. He was replying to everyone who like tweeted about Riley Leonard in that <laughs> moment. And I just responded to him and I was like, are you typing this out every time to each person you respond to? Or are you copying pasting? I just, I'm just really <laughs> curious because you, and he was like, I don't, I don't even think uh, getting kicked out of the game is enough. You should be suspended. It's just a football play. Um, and it's just Leonard probably not really needing to be out there. Um, right. I mean, they well, needed him out there, but at the same time, you know, I mean, it just showed how how teetering on the edge he probably was. Right. And I think some people in the Tommy Nation Slack group, right, had said, you know, it might be better for Duke if he doesn't play, if he's just back there sitting duck. And I think FSU, again, the, the defensive line's the strength of that of that unit, and they're really, really good. And they were getting after him all the time, right? Consistently, again, even though I believe Duke had some holding going on that they could have been called, it wasn't. But they were really, really good. And I think they got close to him a bunch of times. And when you're like Fisk, right? You're in your defensive lineman. And it happens in a split second. And a guy starts to like try to run past you, like, you know, climb the pocket. You're just going to reach out and grab whatever you can get. And if your hand happens to grab a face max, it is what it is, right? And I think Fisk was falling backwards. As he grabbed it. So, of course, he pulls Leonard off, off his center of gravity and he re-injures his ankle. It's not intentional. Yeah, you could see his frustration right after he did it, too. No, yeah. it, 
And I mean, exactly what happened was, is if because I watched that replay many times, being the number one Riley Leonard fan, um, <laughs> he, he was dropping back, and, and right as Fisk was coming up um, and about to make contact with him, that's right when his ankle turns again. You can just see a slight turn as he's trying to get to the back of his drop, and right at that moment, as as Riley Leonard is, you know like in pain and, and moves the way he moved, it moved perfectly for Fisk's hand to be right there. It was just, you know, bad timing and, you know, definitely yeah, but, of course not intentional, but just, just bad timing kind of shit happens in football sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a dirty play. And I think, I mean, look, this is on Mike Elko, right? I, I think he thought of 70% Leonard gave Duke the best chance to win. I don't think he was wrong, even though Leonard, you know, didn't play well. Right. He was not his normal self. Uh, his backup didn't fare. I mean, yeah, fared even worse. But the problem is, you know, if, that's the risk you take. And if Leonard gets hurt, there was a chance you put him out there that he doesn't get hurt. And he may not play again for another month. You know, you lost all chance. And, and you know, Brian had mentioned it too. Florida State now has breathing room, right? Everyone else has – is it two losses in conference and FSU has none, I think is what Everybody's it is. Everybody's got one. Yeah. Oh, like, one. Like Everyone's UNC got... has one. Virginia Tech has one. Duke has one. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you, you know, if you're Florida State, you got a little bit of breathing room, and that's that's Elko's call. And I like Elko. He's a really good coach. Uh, very, very good. I think he might bolt from Duke to another bigger program after this year. It also felt but a lot like risk it he was. Took. It also felt like it was a lot Riley Leonard because even after the injury, you could see him on the sideline, like begging to get, he was just running sprints as best he could, like, let me play. And, and I get it because, you know, the plays that followed were, were basically at the goal line. I know they weren't fourth and goal, third and goal or whatever. It was like the fourth and three at the four or whatever, but it's basically goal line territory. And you saw where they just kind of needed his decision-making. Uh, they just ran three times and then said, screw it. I don't blame them. A field goal wasn't going to win it. You push it to six points. You just, I mean, I knew it. You guys knew it. Anyone listening knows it. Florida State was going to score a touchdown. Like, it, you go up six, great. You still have to go down the field and do it again with your backup quarterback. Take your shot and hope you can get four yards. I don't blame Elko at all. No, you know, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, they they had to do what they had to do. I think the unfortunate part for Duke, for, um, Duke moving forward, is they have Louisville next. Um, so that's just going to be a really tough game if Riley Leonard's not there. And it makes you very emotional to know that Riley Leonard's not going to be there. It's okay. We're, we're thinking of you and your family at this time, <laughs> Ben. It's okay. Get your water. Take a sip. It's all good. We got you back. Anything else you wanted to say there, or is that it? Um, you know, no. I mean, I, I think this game was over once Riley Leonard went down. You, earlier you were, you were you know asking us, if the if the game flipped um, earlier in the game. I, up until Riley Leonard got hurt, you know, I thought FSU could come back and win that game, but once that happened, it was over, in my opinion. I I, I kind of didn't think about it for another second. Um, you're you know, just like you mentioned, FSU had all the offensive momentum in that game. Um, and you know, I I really like the adjustments that Mike Norvell made. Um, you know, they they got the like we mentioned earlier, they got the tight ends involved. I want to give a shout out to Jaheim Bell. I mean, he was excellent in this game, not picking up a lot of yards, but eight catches. A lot of those were crucial um, in just moving the chains and, and getting the offense moving down the field. Um, and, and, you know, as we saw, once Jordan Travis had that drive after Riley Leonard went down and they took back the lead in that game, um, I think he had like 40 yards rushing on that drive. It was like a 96-yard drive. Um, once they started running the ball with Jordan Travis, this – 
this offense just opened up in a way that we have not seen all season, in my opinion. And I think that stemmed from them attacking the middle of the field early. Um, you know, like I mentioned, Duke took away Keon Coleman and they said, OK, we got Johnny Wilson, who's a freak and we're going to get him the ball. Um, now, obviously, Johnny, you know, gets out of the game. He's hurt. Hopefully he's OK. Um, and that He's going to be really important for FSU kind of down the stretch here. But, you know, I, I, I think in my opinion, this Jordan Travis we saw in the second half of this game was the best Jordan Travis we've seen all season. And, and he was as close to what we saw last year. What, you know, the year when we really walked away thinking, okay, he can be a Heisman contender next season and should be a top three to five favorite. We saw him get as close to being that guy um, last night. So I, I think I'm really encouraged that, you know, we're seeing that from him and that could partially be due to injury. You know, I mean, he's been really injured all throughout this season. So I, I, I don't want to say definitively that the offense has turned a corner, but I think they have the opportunity moving forward to really build on what they did at the end of this game. Yeah. They've still really struggled to run the ball um, in the designed run game. I do wonder how much maybe if they just, cause it, it did feel to me at a point, they just said, you know what? At some point, we're going to have to let Jordan run. I, I know last year part of the these struggles came when Jordan obviously got injured, and maybe that was part of the design is, look, as long as we can not keep Jordan, as long as we can keep Jordan from running, let's just do it and save it until we need it. Um, maybe that's what was at play there. Um, hopefully that frees it up. But, yeah, the run game was nothing to write home about. I mean, your leading rusher outside of Jordan was Rodney Hill, who was 6 for 30. Trey Benson's 10 for 26. Uh, Toa Feely was three for 23. And then I don't know if it was a run or, or a screen where he ended up like one yard short. And it felt like he probably could have gotten the first down, but went down fairly easily. Uh, and then Kaziah Holmes gave you three for 11. But overall, I mean, 32 for 152. You take out Jordan, you went 22 for 90 from the running game. Otherwise, um, kind of need better in, in, in big games. You're well, putting and- a lot on Jordan. And I do think that's going to be one of the toughest rushing defenses they play all season. And up until they get to the playoff, if they make it, I think it's going to be the hardest one for the rest of the way for them. Right. So I I think they'll have some opportunities to get that running game back on track. And, you know, if this offense is going to reach their full potential, they're going to need to find some rhythm in that running game, that design running game that we've been talking about. So, um, you know, I think, that was a little discouraging, but again, I think this is a really bad matchup for FSU's offensive line and Duke knew what they were doing. They're a really, really well coached football team. That's why I was, you know, so scared of FSU playing Duke is because they, they played both lines of scrimmage really, really well. They're a well coached team. They execute, they do not make mistakes and they don't really have a weakness. And I think this is kind of one of the first teams that you've seen FSU play that kind of has that sort of complete team um, where you can't lean on a weakness that they have. So I, I think, you know, for the rest of the way, I think FSU will take care of business. Um, and, and to me, this was the hardest matchup they've had all season, even, even considering your Tigers, Brian, because even though the LSU is a really, really, really good football team, um, they are clearly in a, in a matchup disadvantage against Florida state. They've, Florida State's proven that two years in a row now, right? That's just not a good matchup for LSU. And I think, you know, for FSU, this was just a really, really bad matchup 
Um, so I, I think moving forward, you know, if they play UNC or Louisville in the conference championship game, I think FSU is going to look better against those teams. Um, but, you know, it's, gonna, it's certainly going to be interesting. I, I think, you know, if FSU takes care of business, um, they'll certainly punch their way into the playoff and we'll, we'll get to see them against some really big boy football teams like Michigan or Georgia. Um, and, you know, I think against those teams, FSU will probably lose um, and keep it close. But you know, for what we were talking about preseason with this team to for this team to be where they're at now, be seven and zero like this, win the way they have. Um, I'm 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 really encouraged in a lot of ways. You know, especially how we were talking about this team preseason. I think they've overplayed those expectations, but I think they also set the bar bar very high for themselves, and that's why we are so critical of them. Kind of, it seems like week in and week out. And I, I promise, you know, for FSU fans, it's not because we're rooting against this team. I think it's because we know this team can be better and they have a higher ceiling and they haven't scratched that yet, even in this game. Um, so I'll be curious to see if they can reach that ceiling, you know, for the rest of the season. And these Norvell teams have gotten better over the course of a season. Um, but I still walked away from this game, you know, like you mentioned, Brian, like the running game, the design running game was trash. <laughs> yeah. And and it's, it just feels like I, I, that there's an offensive line issue that I'm not sure is going to get fixed. And John, you mentioned earlier, um, bringing in younger guys or just figuring it out. But I mean, we're seven games in at this point. We, we've got a pretty good idea. It just ain't working. Yeah, and it, it's it's been a major issue. I think when Travis runs the offensive, you know, the running game opens up more because it changes the math for defenses. And I, I mean, I've been calling it I've been critical of Travis for not running for weeks and weeks now. And he. Uh, he just refuses to run. So now defenses don't even account for it. And then when he finally did start running out of nowhere, the fourth quarter in Duke, I mean, there's just tons and tons of yards there. He just, you know, refuses to get it. And I think now because defense is no longer accounted for him that he, uh, you know, they can focus on the running game and you have talent issues at left guard and right tackle. So it's a combination of things. I know Norvell and Atkins have kind of tweaked some of the running game schemes about what they're trying to do and to get a few things that work, get, you know, better blocking angles to help them out. But it hasn't really worked against anybody that's decent, right? And again, credit Southern to Duke. Miss might be the only one. Oh, what's that? Southern Miss might be the only one that really worked. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, against against the better opponents this season, it just it didn't, none of it worked, right? And, like, you know, Southern Miss, it worked. Uh, Syracuse, it worked, right? Uh, Virginia Tech, it worked. Pretty much nobody else it's worked. Uh, but it would have in those other games if Travis had run, in, in my opinion. But I, it's clear that he can run. He just chooses not to unless they absolutely have to. I think they realized in the fourth quarter that they had to. And again, I, I think Florida State would have won even if Leonard hadn't gone hurt. I, I think the big thing is that the offense just then couldn't be stopped. Because again, it, it just completely, it adds another dimension to what they're doing. And they just, Duke had no answer for it. And I get it. I mean, if, if Travis had been running in all those games, would he now be hurt? I, I don't know. Um, so I get that's probably why they're protecting him by not doing it. And you can say, okay, well, yeah, I know only those games are going to do that. But it's just you need it to keep the defenders honest with those offensive line issues up front. So, you know, I thought in the in the fourth quarter late in the game, Keandre Jones came in at guard. I thought he did extremely well. He Every time he comes in, he does very well. So, you know, I think they need to start playing some other guys. I know Armella came in very, very late, right, against Syracuse. He had a couple of that one great block on the screen. I know he's a younger younger player, but 
I think they still need to look at shuffling this offensive line and trying to find a, a, the best five guys that they have because there's some guys who just they're they're struggling and your running game is suffering because of it. And it kind of makes you one-dimensional. And again, when Travis runs, you're not one-dimensional anymore. But how often do they really want to do that? It seems like not very often. Yeah, it's at least a, a Band-Aid on the problem at this point. Uh, and, you know, that, that could be enough to whether – What's ahead of you in, in Wake Forest in the first upcoming game here? Um, I think it's a noon kickoff. They announced that, right? Is that, is that right? Uh, yeah, it's noon. Wake. Yeah, Wake. Um, the at Pittsburgh game, and they made a quarterback change, maybe slightly more difficult than we anticipated. Um, Miami, I'm sure, will be a fight. And then, and then Florida, I feel like, obviously, that's not one that matters in your ACC picture, but um, I, I also don't think they're very good either. Um, so, yeah, there, there's – there's no one who should make it as much of a problem as as Duke was able to this past week. Um, but if you get to the ACC title game, if you get to a playoff, um, you're going to have to have it. And it becomes it especially a problem if, say, you're at Pitt and the run game isn't there and, and maybe Jordan's just a little off. That's where things can get dicey. Uh, I still think this team is the best in the ACC, and that became pretty clear this weekend with the losses kind of stacked up around the board there. Um, you you haven't played very many great games, and you're seven and zero against you know LSU, Clemson, Duke, uh, you know teams that are all good to great teams. Um, you know I, I don't think there's something to really complain about so far. But if anything's going to stop you, that's it. Because as much as we complain about the defense, um, and I, I forget who brought this up in, in the. Uh, Tomahawk Nation chats when posted a tweet, but this this defense is doing a great job of showing up in the second half. That that Boston College game uh, through seven is is obviously the outlier. It's the one where they really struggled, but outside of that, they've been really good. They shut down an LSU offense that's proven to be one of the best in the country. Obviously, they've gotten more of a run game now than they had then, but um, you you blanked them. Um, or outside of that giant touchdown at the end, but you really held them in check. Uh, you, you did the same to Southern Miss. You did the same to Clemson. You did it to Virginia Tech. You've done it to Syracuse. And then you just shut out Duke, even with the Riley Leonard injury late in that third quarter. But uh, those aren't slouches, and, and you've been able to do it. So I I don't think the defense, for the, the frustrations that they caused early in the year, is the real problem. I think if anything's getting them, it's that lack of run game. Um, but a- am I wrong on the defense? I feel like they played okay. Especially the way Fisk is playing lately. No, I I think this defense is is playing up to par. I mean, you know, I I, I didn't really have the highest. I, I just don't think they have a very high ceiling, right? I I think they're they're very capable of making the right second half adjustments, and you know they have the right playmakers to where um, they can shut out those teams in the second half. They've been doing that, like you've been mentioning. Um, but I also still think there's a little more room for some of these playmakers to be a little more disruptive. I mean, Fisk has been excellent, but verse had just has not been that guy that he was last year. And, and, you know, of course that's with teams accounting for him and really game planning for him. But, you know, I, I think the expectation for him is, is just at a higher level and he just hasn't reached that quite yet this year. Um, and Patrick Payton has shown a lot of, a lot of flashes, but I think he needs to be a little more consistent, even though he's been really good at times. Um, so I, I think this defense has been excellent. I mean, they had coverage issues in the first month of the season that were just 
they were just terrible in coverage up until these last two or three games. And they've really fixed that issue. So, so I think, you know, the coverage was the thing for me, that was the biggest glaring issue where, you know, this team just should not be this bad in coverage. You know, we know their strength is up front, like you mentioned, Brian earlier, but with the level of talent they had along the back end, they were just not playing up to it. Um, and yeah, of, of course, Akeem Dent was out for a few games and that affected that. But we saw teams really gash Florida State in the passing game on defense. And that has flipped in these last two, three games. So I, I think they've turned a corner on defense after kind of a, a rough first month um, where we just expected better out of them. Um, so I, I think this defense is very, very capable. But like, But like you said, you know, this running game, they just have not shown that they can win against good opponents. They've looked really good against Syracuse. They've looked really good against Virginia tech, but we know Florida state isn't going to be playing those two teams the rest of the season. So, um, you know, I think, look, they still have time to figure it out. And, and like John has mentioned, I think the offensive line is the main issue um, at play here where they're just not playing good enough um, for this running game to get going. Um, but in order for FSU to kind of reach that ceiling, like I already mentioned, we know they're capable of, they're going to have to run the ball better. It doesn't need to be what it was last year, but it cannot be as bad as it was against Duke. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, John. Yeah. Sorry. I was, well, my, I guess my last thoughts on the defense against Duke, I'd say, I mean, I thought they did an extremely good job. If we take away Travis's pick six, then they really only held them to 13 points. Right. If we take away Norvell's, in my opinion, terrible fourth down call, uh, that gifted them three points. I mean, the defense held them to three, right? Instead of giving up a touchdown, but those still three free points essentially. And you really held the rest of the game. You held Duke to ten points. Uh, I look. I, I'm very critical of Fuller again. I think he should have blitzed Leonard from the get go over and over and over again. He didn't do it. Um, so I think that kept him in the game longer than it should have. I, I get this game plan though. You know, you think you just you know rush your front four who are extremely good and uh you know leonard's a sitting duck and that should work to your advantage just keep everything in front of you and to an extent it, it did but um i thought he could have done more and then the other thing is there's some there you know this this whole group uh as a unit they take bad angles all right federal cypress especially took some horrific angles uh they're not great at breaking um, in the open field, breaking a receiver down and tackling them. They don't do that well, right? Kevin Knowles was whiffed. You have a, I've seen that a bunch this year. You have a guy come flying down the alley, right, on a you know, free uh, receiver, and you just need to you know, break him down, wrap him up, and tackle, and they don't. They just whiff badly, and you get four, five, six, seven extra yards. So there's a lot of things this defense could do better to, to go from good to elite. They're just good. I, I don't think that they – necessarily play up to the talent level that they have um so like overall coordination i'm pretty disappointed but not in the duke game against a duke game in one specific game sample they're very good and the player development is still there right shaheem brown player development is there um you know i i do think having a keem dent has made a world of difference for this defense just from being in the right position uh i don't you know i don't think dent i mean dent's a good player right but he, i don't think he's like us He's not a special first-round pick safety, right? Well, there's no no shame in that. Um, so he's a good player. He's in the right position. I think that does a world of, of good stuff for this this defense. But they have some some issues. Uh, again, the strength of it is is, and I think the linebackers at times played extremely well. Um, but they've been up and down this season, right? They'll have a really good game and then a really bad game. They're kind of up and down. So overall, yes, I think it's a good unit. I think they should be better than they are. 
Um, but they played extremely well against Duke with a quarterback who was maybe 70% healthy. And um, I think overall, what we've surprisingly seen, again, to tie all this together for me, with the running game is this defense has kept Florida State in these games while the defense, I mean, while the offense tries to figure it out. I think that's what's been so frustrating, right? We expected this to be a top five offense in the country, maybe the best, right? Uh, and they haven't been that. They've had a lot of different issues for different reasons that we've covered uh, quite extensively. But the defense is getting against Duke, especially kept this team in the game until the offense could figure their stuff out. It turns out figuring that out happened in the fourth quarter when Travis decided to start running and then they pulled away. Uh, and again, I think they would have pulled away even if Leonard hadn't gone hurt, but uh, it's just frustrating that, that again, going back to the thing we keep talking about this team, this is what's crazy. This is what I meant. They, you beat Duke by 18 points. You cover the spread of like 14 and a half, I think is what it was. And an 18 point win is great. It didn't emotionally feel like that. It didn't emotionally feel like you dominate them the way that you're capable of and the way that you should have. And we just keep hearing that over and over and over again. So that's where I'm sad. Yeah, eventually you've got to play up to your potential. At, at, at some point, if you're going to breach the goals you're hoping for, it's going to require that. And I think I think it was Pat Forty who said yesterday, or maybe it was Pete Thamel, uh, if you're not good enough, a loss will find you. Uh, we're mm-hmm. looking at this FSU schedule. We don't see a loss. Um, but we just saw North Carolina lose to Virginia, who I did not think would beat anyone worth anything. Um, we, we after they looked great the week before, obviously, you know, you saw what happened with Duke there, but uh, Louisville had a loss, I think was Pitt. It's got Louisville. I mean, you know, you're seeing these other ACC teams lose uh, to teams they really probably shouldn't. So if you're going to avoid that, that you've got to play to that level. You eventually have to find your potential. And I think even if they don't play up to that level, you know, I think they can survive a loss in the ACC now in terms of college football playoff. That certainly changes things. But the way the ACC is breaking out right now, Louisville has to play Duke next week and Duke has to play UNC still. So if Florida State loses a game, they could still easily make the ACC championship game. I think um, the fear becomes the playoff at that point. Yeah, it, it seems like we're destined for five undefeated teams there. I, I think we are. And I think that's the biggest fear I have right now is looking at the playoff picture. You know, if you're if you're looking at five undefeated conference winners, um, I think FSU might be the odd man out at the end of the year. Um, Could be Oklahoma. I think you may have a better argument than Oklahoma. But yeah, you don't want to be in the spot where you're arguing because um, you're not going to leave out back to back champion Georgia. I guess it's a chance for maybe Alabama or LSU or Ole Miss to beat them. Um, which you'd have an argument over LSU, obviously, and then anyone else they'd have beaten. Um, Oklahoma would probably be the one team you're arguing with. You feel like Michigan or Ohio State's going to end up there, even though I don't think Ohio State is very good at all. Um, and then we'll... Washington. Washington. Oh, Washington's going to lose. I feel like you're fine there. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, to your point too, Brian, like there is something to be said for, you know, Florida State looks sloppy for most of these games, and yet you're still blowing teams out. But at the same time, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I Maybe a loss does kind of, it'll catch up with you. I, at this point, I don't I don't think anyone should expect Florida State to, you know, if they make, like, I think the expectation should be you make the ACC championship game and you win it. Yeah, I, I don't think that you could expect Florida State to do anything in the play. And if they do that, they're going to probably be in the playoff. I don't think you should expect this Florida State team to do anything in the playoff unless they start playing cleaner football. Yeah. One thing I think we do have to watch heading into next week as well, uh, injuries. 
Um, obviously, we, we saw uh, the injury to Johnny Wilson. Um, I think on the broadcast, they called it a, a, a something with his head. Potentially, I guess that would lead me in the vicinity of uh, concussion, though it looked like he landed on his shoulder to me. Uh, and th- some people were in the comments talking about how he landed on his leg funny. So what I saw, I mean, you guys can totally tell me if I'm wrong, but on I the mean, you replay, guys tell me, I mean, his, his, it looked <laughs> like something happened with his knee. Like, and I think John mentioned the meniscus, maybe potentially thing. Like, we're not doctors, we're not trying to. I was you know, gonna say, we, I have no idea. We know what it is, but I think if you closely watch that TV replay, um, you can see something going on with his knee, and I think that's what he was grabbing at. But you know, with with college injuries, it's like we're just not gonna really know. Yeah, so, we'll definitely we'll, not know. Yeah, I mean, to me, it looked like a knee, but but then everything after the game appeared to indicate concussion, which is like I agree with Ryan. It was weird, and if it's a second concussion in three weeks, who knows how long he's going to be out? And I mean, I guess you don't need him back, right? It, well, theoretically, right? You got Wake and and Pitt. Uh, it's a chance for Hakeem Williams to kind of show what I think he needs to see the field more on that on Deucepan's kickoff return. I don't know if you guys pay attention, Hakeem putting on you know 100 mile per hour afterburners. And catching up to, to span, it's just freak athlete, six foot, whatever he is, enormous guy, super fast. Uh, I think the comparisons to Carlos Williams were, were spot on. The kid's a freak. Uh, I think he needs to see the field more. Yeah, and I tried to search Twitter to see if any, like if Norvell said anything. Um, all I see is the report from uh, ESPN, a quote, possible head injury. But to me, as soon as he hit the ground on one angle, you could see him like in pain. I, I don't. I don't normally relate a head injury to immediate pain, um, but you know, I, I don't know. I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out later this week. Honestly, we probably won't. But uh, his injury, and then the the uh, DJ Lundy and uh, one of the other linebackers got hurt in like the last like second or third, or, like last play in the game. Uh, I forget, and I've been trying to find which one it was. It seemed like no one even tweeted about it, but. Uh, Obviously, that I think it might have been Lundy. I want to say Lundy got hurt for sure where they stopped the game, but someone else like jogged off holding their wrist like right on the last play. Um, but I can't, I can't find it on Twitter. Maybe I dreamt it. Um, I was doing a lot yesterday, not not anything crazy, but you know, tweeting and watching the game and all <laughs> kinds of writing, and there was a lot going on. But I felt like I saw another injury, but something to keep an eye on. I wouldn't want to lose one or two in the linebacker room. It feels like you kind of need all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're really lacking at depth at that position. I think that's the one spot where you're like, yeah, like like you mentioned, you really cannot get thin there. Yeah, I, I don't think Wake is really the team to push you, um, but it, it they shouldn't be. Uh, I don't think they even had a quarterback to start this past weekend, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, I think both their top two guys were out. Yeah, so um, I think even if they're in, you, you probably should be able to handle that one and move on. But yeah, I. I uh, I, I feel like you've got to like where you're at and, and wish you just started playing just that much better. Uh, and it was Tatum who walked off um, grabbing his wrist. That was Tatum on, on the last play. Um, I found it. I had to go back in our in our chat to find it. No one it looked like no one asked Norvell about it. I'm trying to read through the the transcript to see if there was anything, but uh, hopefully it's nothing and it was just a stinger and we're all good there. But um, something to just keep an eye on. Um, it does, in terms of the other results, I mentioned UNC losing to Virginia, um, and then there were Penn State looked awful and lost, obviously, as a top-10 team there against Ohio State, and I think there was one other in that region loss. Uh, Oklahoma almost lost to UCF, and, and Texas probably could slash should have lost to Houston there on, on some bad calls towards the end of that game. Um, so you're seeing upsets just, you know, play to your level, 
in terms of what it means to ACC, I, like like Ben said, in all intents and purposes, you're you're pretty locked into to an ACC championship game berth on the way the schedule lays out for the other teams around you. Uh, it feels like one more win, and, and you're pretty much there. Yeah, it's it's hard to see a a path to Florida. Like like it, I think the percent chance is like less than one right now that FSU doesn't have that berth. Yeah, John, I think you post, posted like the analytics number. It's like ninety eight point six or something, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like ninety eight point six. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, cause... FPI odds from David Hale put it out. That's ninety eight point six for FSU to make the ACC championship game. North Carolina is down to thirty five point six. Louisville next at twenty seven. Duke twenty five point nine. Then Miami, Virginia Tech, and Clemson all five percent lower. Um, Clemson's, Clemson's out. I don't, I don't know what we're doing there. They're, they're yeah. done. Yeah, that that was a bad <laughs> loss yesterday at Miami. That was tough. Yeah, so I guess what it's trying to say is they just don't know who's going to be FSU's opponent, right? I mean, even yeah. if probability says FSU is going to drop a game between now and then, uh, you're still likely, may- in, yeah, right, right, and they just don't know who. Because uh, what did Ben? You said who plays next week? UNC, Louisville, or Duke, and Louisville. Duke, Louisville next week, and then UNC and Duke still have to play. So I, I think yeah. FSU can get away with a loss at this point. Also, notably, FSU has five wins and the next team down has three wins, right? So FSU has really, really put themselves ahead of the rest of the ACC. Yeah, the, the rest of them have have extra, I'm actually one extra game to play left and your three left aren't aren't the toughest. Wake Forest pit uh, towards the bottom and then Miami kind of holding there in the middle with whatever they're going to look like. Um, I thought they looked yeah. terrible yesterday until the very end. So, I mean, Florida State should be nine and zero, right? Going into the Miami game at home, uh, looking at the ACC standings, Wake You're and in. Pitt are are two of the three bottom teams in the conference, right? It goes Syracuse at the very bottom, then Pitt, then Wake. So if you were to drop either of those games, that would be incredibly horrific loss, be really disappointing. So you should be nine and zero going into Miami game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, any. And- Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say you had a final thought for sure. I did actually. Yeah. Well, because I mean, that's that's going to be the next biggest thing, I think, on the schedule. Right. And and I I think Miami's a solid team. I don't know if I want to say they're better or worse than Duke at this point, but I think they're a solid team. I think they're better than their record. They should have beaten Georgia Tech. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, they, they worry me a little bit. Right. I think if Florida State goes out there and plays a B, B plus game, I think they win, but especially because it's at home. But I think Miami's dangerous. I yeah, think I, you I think you need to calm down on that one. Jesus, John. Take it, Ben. That was a terrible joke on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh I was just gonna say you, you really need Johnny Wilson back for that game too. You, that's that's the main thing I'd be looking at is is what do we know about him heading into that game? Um, because if it is a concussion, that's very worrying. If it's a knee, obviously very worrying and I mean, we won't ever find that out, of course. But, um, yeah, I, I think FSU needs to be at full strength against Miami. And um, I think they can still win with a B-plus game. Um, but you, you just don't want to make it frisky against Miami. But, you know, also as as someone who's uh, grown up in Florida and is familiar with all three of these football teams, the number one thing I know about Miami is that November is, is not their part of the year. So, um <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I think you know I think it's a I, I still think Duke is a harder matchup um because of where their strengths are but you know I I I think that you know 
I think FSU should should beat Miami. That's still going to be a tough game, though. And I, and I think it'll probably be the closest game they see up until the college football playoff, even with the ACC championship. Oh, really? That's an interesting question. You think that the game against Miami would be closer than the game against UF? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Florida has a way worse rushing game than, than FSU. I mean, we're sitting here complaining about Florida State's rushing game. Uh, Florida can't run to save their life. They ran against Vandy that one time, though. Hold on now. <laughs> oh, we know Vandy, you know, really, really strong. <laughs> um, hey, yeah, hey, no. they've lost to Vandy, like, recently. So, you know, oh. yeah, that's yeah. tough for them. Yeah, true, true. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, I don't think UF's, like, a terrible football team, but I think it's a, not a good matchup for UF more than anything beyond just how good FSU is. One programming note before I say goodbye, or we say goodbye. Uh, John is going to the Wake Forest game. Is that right? Yeah, I will be going. Um, so it should be fun. So I will be missing. I won't be on the pod, I guess, after the Wake Forest game or the or the pit game because I'll still be traveling back. I'll be gone for a little over a week. Uh, yeah. well, we'll, well, presuming Florida State handles business, we expect John not to be here. Uh, if things go south for one or both of the games or either one of the games, <laughs> I imagine John's going to be on the phone just shouting into it, anything and everything, complaining that he can. But for now, I think we're okay. And uh, John can enjoy his trip. So you just get Ben and I. Maybe we'll see if we can drag Perry in, but I have little to no confidence in Perry actually joining us on that. So, uh, you know, we'll see. He's my friend. I could take him out in that way. So um, <laughs> for now, you'll, you'll, we'll, we'll just ride off with a 7-0, and and hopefully the next time we see John, we're 9-0 and talking about that Miami game. And, uh, well, actually, I guess it'd be post-Miami, but that's not that's t- neither here nor there. So maybe 10-0, and and we'll move on from there. But uh, lots of fun football ahead. You're making it fairly close to November here, undefeated. Uh, get through Wake Forest and – Everything's in front of you. Eight and zero with four games left to play, including was it North Alabama? Is that is that the? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's the game in uh, right the week before the uh, UF game. So the last two games this season will be that game and in, in UF and FSU should take care of business in those games. Yeah, you get everything in front of you that you hope for if you just uh, handle business there. So you know, pl- play the games in front of you. Do well. I mean, like you said, Wake and Pitt are second and tied for second worst in the conference because Syracuse doesn't have a win. Um, so you should be able to handle them. I get their road games. Those can always be tricky. We saw the Boston College one, but uh, hopefully Florida State is able to handle Wake Forest like they should, and then we can talk Pitt the following week. But uh, until then, for Brian, Ben, and John, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening.